Saturday's show. Her name is Cookie uh, Serratos from Cookie uh, Serratos. From, yeah, from California, and uh, she's a little dynamo. She's subject of a, a, a Netflix uh, pick, and uh, she's just so cute. But we, you know how you you get used to talking to Michael Locke and Colton Haker and Michael Lang and, and these guys, and they all have you know a man's voice. Well, here comes little Cookie, and she has this little tiny voice, and she reminded me an awful lot of little Charlotte. Oh, my little Charlotte. She's such a sweetheart. She is. She's so cute. Um, does she she understand what you do and the freedom that you enjoy because of what you do? Um, or is she just going, why is daddy still at home? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like today uh, I was leaving and, you know, and so Sarah says, say goodbye to dad and, and you know, because Sarah's not going to say goodbye to me. So she says, say goodbye to dad. And, and so Charlotte waves with her tongue. And I'm like, okay. She won't give me a kiss goodbye. She doesn't care. She's learning that from her mom, too. But uh, <laughs> truth. And I like Sarah. She, but she's so, the kids are so funny. The other day, Dylan, who's right here, uh, Dylan, we were having dinner out on the deck. Right. And uh, we'd been working. And out of nowhere, we're just sitting there eating. And she says, Dylan, I'm going to poop on you. And what? <laughs> She said that out of the blue. Is that right, Dylan? Yes. Okay. And and why would she do that? Why would she think about pooping on Dylan? I I don't have a clue. She is the funniest little girl. She, she is hysterical. She always isn't comes she? up with the funniest things she to says. Say. I got her on the the. I've had her on my four fifty the other day, and no, it was my two thirty. And the two thirty had been down and had a flat tire for a while. And I'm too, you know, I'm not going to fix that. So. Um, <laughs> we get on the two thirty, and she's like, "Let me go for a ride." And I said, "All right." She gets on the thing and just out of nowhere, she does a fist pump and says, Honda. <laughs> wow. So she's already brand aware. Oh, oh, for sure. She'll be like, um, we're watching, uh, we were watching uh, the, the, the Crawford's, the Crawfordsville, the, the final Lucas Oil motocross race. And, and uh, she looks over and she goes, Kawasaki's don't ever win. And I go, <laughs> Well, wow. as long as you don't count Eli Tomac. I know. I just said, actually, he just he's winning the title. He's, he's winning, winning the championship. She all. didn't understand that. But she's like, no, he's way back. And it's just funny. She's she, three. And she's three. Yeah, and she well, does That's pretty cool. Yeah. So most kids are not brand aware, but I'll tell you who is brand aware. Our friends at Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa. What are some of the brands that uh, you guys carry at Hicklin? We've still got Yamaha, KTM, full suite of BRP products to include Can-Am, Ski-Doo, Sea-Doo, Polaris, full line of products, including Slingshots. And we've got Betas. We just got Bart, the owner, got a new Beta just last week. Oh, so, he did? Yeah, he got a, uh, one of those cross trainers. The uh, Oh, one of the bikes he's going to sit in his garage and he'll never ride. I don't know. He, he did a build-your-own Beta, so it had a Bart Hicklin label oh, right cool. on the neck no, of it. No, it didn't. Oh, yeah. you build The coolest thing about Beta is you go online to their website and you they call it BYOB, build-your-own Beta. You can... Take a factory model and add whatever you want. Recluse clutch. How cool uh, is that? Cr your crash bars, whatever exhaust you want. Handlebars. Wheels, brakes, chains. brake pads, anything, foot pegs, whatever's out there, they've got it. Handlebars. Now, You've well, got a handlebar you want, and they send you all the stock stuff back, and they put all the parts you wanted on at Beta of America. So you're buying it, and then you're adding to it. Yep, so yep. What, 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 what's Bart got invested in that thing? 13 grand? I, I don't think it'd be that much. No. You can, it's really no additional charge if you, you just say, I want this one, and you don't update it. 
but they put your name on a label on a steel plaque and then cool. uh, rivet it to the frame. It's, it's, like like, I, it's like I feel like my number 286 of my Yamaha Raider. It's very right? personal. It's very personal. I know that number, and I will go down in in history of owning number 286. And uh, that's pretty special. I know Jack wanted 286, but I said, no, sir. That's, that's uh, my bike. That's my bike. Oh, yeah. That's a big deal, Jack. We could, I, I just remember No, I still of... want my spider. He does want a well, spider. get your spider, Jack. Get on that's out my... there. We've got him. So uh, the, the BYOB program, is that that's built in the United States? So they assemble here? Is that the deal? Th- that's the deal. The, the beta comes from uh, Beta of America's out in California. Yep. They do they do it right at the factory, though. When I open the crate, if you've done a build-your-own beta and, and numbers of our customers, Customers have Bart's just one of many. It number one has your name on a plaque on the neck, riveted to the frame. But then, whatever parts you you clicked on on their build your own beta site, they're going to be on the bike, and they give you all the stock stuff, which is. In the case That's of huge. guys who've put on different wheels, it's pretty handy to have an extra set of wheels, an extra set of handlebars, an extra brand new clutch. If can you, you have any name you want to put on that? that? I know. we got to guess. We need I to imagine you, you could. Can, yeah. you have, can you have any, like, Peter Long? Sure. Right? Anything you, can, you want. You could do it. <laughs> you could do it. It's going to be just as hard to sell if By it's the folded way, in half. Pete's, uh, <laughs> Pete's nickname is Big. It's Big Fella. All so righty. it's... Uh, all right. This uh, portion of our show brought to you by Swell Vodka, obviously. Uh, six times distilled, six times filtered. Swell Vodka belongs in the well at your local pub. Ask for it at your favorite hotspot, Swell Vodka. Tony? All right. Our guest now is uh, hes probably asleep by now, but uh, he's <laughs> a crew chief for Cameron Bebier, who has a handle on the series, Monster Energy Yamaha, Yamaha Factory Racing Team, and he's also the 2018 Ricky. inductee list to the Canadian Motorcycle Hall of Fame. And uh, he joins us now, Rick Hobbs. What's up, dude? How are you? Thanks for waiting so patiently, as if you had yeah, a choice, right? <laughs> no, it was interesting listening to you guys chat back and forth. We do that sometimes. Even off air, we'll still talk. A lot of a lot of oh, shows, wow. uh, people go their separate ways, come back three minutes later, and and uh, pretend like they're friends. Yeah, <laughs> we pretend right. like we're friends even off air. I know it's great, <laughs> Rick. Good to yeah. talk to you, man. How's how's it going? I. It's- it's going well. I uh, just got home this afternoon from Pittsburgh. We had an extra day there preparing the bikes for New Jersey since the truck is staying on the East Coast. So um, had a bit of an extended trip this time, but uh, glad to be home. And yeah. uh, looking forward to the next two rounds to uh, see if we can wrap this thing up. That'd be cool. Rick, it has been an amazing season back and forth between uh, the two leaders of the series. Um with a couple guys keeping everybody honest uh, throughout the top five of uh, the current standings. What a race Sunday afternoon. I mean, how nerve-wracking was it for you uh, watching the the entire race, much less the last lap? It was just one of the best races uh, in recent memory. It had to have been awesome to watch live. I, I wish I had seen it live. We had our TV feed fail with two laps to go, so... All I could hear was the announcers. Oh, <laughs> oh my crap. gosh! Because wh- I I mean, you caught it at home no yet? Idea. I I saw it on uh, somebody had it on their phone. I guess the highlights of the race were put on uh, either Facebook or something. I, anyway, I saw the uh, Sunday evening afterwards. I saw the last lap, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that I wasn't watching it live because <laughs> would have been nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah, that was an absolute knife fight for those of our listeners who didn't see it. 
Cameron Bobier and Tony Elias uh, got pretty serious about it. It was very clean racing. They both made very uh, some very bold passes in some not so traditional. Pardon me, pardon me. Uh, some not so traditional passing locations. Uh, they both had passes where I think they they surprised one another a couple of times. Like no way can he pass me there, and they were doing it back and forth. Yeah, it uh, for sure. Watching it after the fact was was almost as exciting as seeing it uh, seeing it for the first time live. But uh, uh, you know, it. it turned out to be that way whenever those two are that close together on the racetrack near the end of a race it seems like um there's going to be some fireworks <laughs> so um I, i'm sure the fans were loving it i i understand there was quite a crowd of people on the, the big hill they have overlooking the track there so uh, they definitely got uh, got their money their money's worth from that race I can't wait. I'm going to be at the season ender at Barber. I'm so excited to watch these guys. Um, I, I'm sure you'd like to wrap it up at the very next weekend, but uh, I'm hoping it goes down to the last race just because that's what a fan wants to see. I'll be there either way. Um, sure. What what yeah. happened in what happened in race one? Have you got any insight as to because you guys d- didn't have what we would call traditionally. Uh, for for your t- team this season, you know, you were just a little off there in race one. Yeah, you know, it was kind of unusual circumstances. We had a, a, a rain shower come through just minutes before we were due to go out for the siding lap for the race for race one, and um, it wasn't enough to to really soak the track, at least from where we were standing. But um, it was definitely wet, and so they uh, modified the the. Um, siding lapse procedure so that the guys would get some extra time to check up track with wet conditions because they hadn't been on it previous to that it, it, with wet. So anyway, we we had uh, rain tires ready to go and we went through a, a plan, you know, of how we were going to do the siding lapse. And so um, with Moto America, the way it works is if you want to do more than one lap in the siding lapse, you can. Um, as long as there's time, but you cannot go past on the front straight. You have to come through the pits. And so we discussed all this and we had this plan, and then we realized that the the track that we could see was drying rapidly. So we had a change of plan and decided that we were going to go on slicks. We we didn't feel that uh, the rains would last in the, in the drying track conditions. So uh, a little bit, you know, off-putting for a rider, knowing they've got to go out onto a track that could be in not so great a condition and have to go race on it. So um, I think, uh, you know, Cam probably had a bit of butterflies. And so anyway, we changed the plan. We uh, decided to go on slicks and to only go out and do one lap, leave, leave the pit and go around and go back to the grid to start the race. And I think somewhere around that lap, uh, perhaps Cam thought we were still on the original plan to do more than one lap. And so he, instead of going to the grid, came down pit lane. But by the time he got back to pit lane, they had closed pit lane for a sighting lap. So he essentially got trapped. Oh, crap. Pit lane. Yeah. And so he was able to start the warm-up lap from pit lane and start the race from the grid, but he would have to by their Moto America rules, he would have to start from the back of the grid. So that's why he was in the position he was in. 
in the early laps of the races because he was coming from the back and trying to work his way forward. But the track was half wet, half dry, and somewhat treacherous. Uh, you know, hats off to to uh, Josh and the guys that were really going for it because uh, it, it was a an iffy an iffy deal for them. So. And he, um, and he didn't ultimately cost him any great number of points as Mr. Elias, his uh, number one competitor, similarly um, struggled a bit in race one. Right. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, once Cam got to the back of Tony, he kind of went, well, uh, risk versus reward. I think I'll just sit here and, uh, yeah. you know, just mind my P's and Q's and give up the two points. Good move for, uh, and a very, uh, you know, veteran move for a racer because it's, it made mo- the most sense, clearly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Cam, Cam has uh, gotten pretty good at judging, you know, the right time to, to push and the right time to, to uh, relax, stay calm, and, and uh, not take chances. Is it hard... Um Rick, is it hard to be in the pits and then have a, a good-looking blonde with a crop T-shirt and a pair of really short cutoffs walk by? Is it hard to stay focused? <laughs> For me, no. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, I, you know, some people might say I I look angry at times because I, I am so focused and, and concentrating. I I guess I uh, I get a, 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 a look on my face right. that indicates that I'm not happy, but... In reality, it's just that I'm, I'm very focused and, and job at hand. Trying not to get distracted. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's it, Tony. Right. I guess. Um, you're uh, Rick. You, you said you had a long you had a long weekend because you guys had to get the bikes ready because everybody was staying on the East Coast, and I understand that. Right. Uh, do you guys frame the bikes after every round, or, or, or what? What do you do as far as you know in between the races, race weekends? Yeah. I mean, do you tear it core down to the frame, or do you just? Uh, no, we you know we have a pretty a pretty good understanding of this bike now after racing it for several years. So we we have a a, a routine that we do, um, uh, you know, typically any of the major kind of disassembly work happens at the shop, right. um, where we have you know all the equipment and all the parts. And so uh, when we're on the road, we we focus on things that are necessary, um, and so you know turning it down to the frame, we found is not necessary you know more than a couple of times in a season so um typically you know we'll go through and clean very thoroughly make sure and in that process you're checking everything as you're cleaning um and then um you know we'll we'll inspect the critical pivot point you know steering head bearings uh, swing arm pivot uh, rocker linkage you know the shock linkage all that stuff um and clean the air box you know the filter filter um and change the oil do you, do you put new brake fluid in no well again that's that's only done probably in a season three maybe four times really depending if we if we have a lot of wet weather then yeah. it gets changed a lot more frequently why would that be um, brake fluids hygroscopic yeah, it attracts moisture. I wasn't so asking you, PJ. I was asking our guest. Uh, and he's far more qualified to answer the question. That's oh. why I shot in with my know-it-all answer before you yeah, uh, got it out. Good. It yeah, was, thank you. I, I, I probably would have been grasping for that word. So Hydroscopic. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that the, uh, the brake fluid we use is def- definitely attracts moisture. So when it's 
moist conditions where you change it more often. All right, so let's stay within the industry, but let's take it around the, the, the horn, if we will, to a different um, discipline, okay, at least as, as, it, as it applies to the brand. Um, and I want to ask you, what does this mean, okay? Uh, and Rick, you've been in this uh, business for a long time. Uh, the rumors are starting to circulate that uh, the German conglomerate known as Volkswagen uh, is looking to either sell Ducati, okay? Remember, it, it acquired Ducati back in 2012, right? Or sell it off in parts. What does that mean for the brand? And was Volkswagen the wrong buyer to begin with? What are your thoughts? Wow. Um, I'm not sure I'm really qualified to answer that. Um, I would say that, you know, Volkswagen is a huge corporation. Um, you know, obviously has a lot of financial backing, but they've, uh, they've had a little bump in the road lately. So right. they've got, they've probably got to look at what is in our best interest to hang on to these assets or to cut them loose and have the cash. So uh, I don't know. I, 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 it's an interesting I predicament, right? I, don't you think, PJ? Yeah, it absolutely is. And uh, Ducati, unfortunately, uh, for all their storied racing history, has been passed around a little bit. Rick, I wanted to ask you, you've, you've been involved with Cam for some time now. An amazing talent uh, for anyone. Um his name is bandied about routinely in uh, racing circles as a young man who could literally the the sky could be the limit for this young guy. He could go potentially internationally if that's what he wants to do, and hopefully those opportunities find their way to him. Have you guys talked about it? Is it something that um, Mr. Hobbs gets to follow along, or is it hand the kid off to the next level? Well, you know that that's an interesting question, and I've thought about it and um you know it would, it would it would be an honor if cam would want me to go with him um but to be honest you know i'm i'm not a spring chicken anymore so i don't know that i can commit to uh an international okay. traveling schedule doesn't sound like your yeah. cup of tea anymore it's 13 hour uh, plane rides yeah, you know, just just traveling back and forth across the U.S. anymore is it's just about enough for me. Right. So, um, but yeah, I, you know what i I think if it was the right thing and and everything was lined up right, I, I would have to consider it. And uh, you know, I, I like I said, I would consider it an honor if if not only Cam but whatever team it was would would consider that. Well, let's hope those offers come his way so we get to find out. Right. Yes. Well, uh, as as you so well stated, he is you know perfectly capable of going out and doing great things if the right circumstances are there as far as the bike and the team and so on. So I think that's one of the one of the problems that um, a lot of riders are facing, and specifically American riders, because the the major series tend to higher from within and uh so it's it's tough as a as an outsider to uh to be on the radar for a lot of these teams rick it's always good to talk to you brother uh safe travels wherever it is you are going and uh we always expect that home can be such a wonderful site for guys that are on the road as much as you are and uh, we hope you enjoy that time 
Well, thanks so much. Uh, great talking to you guys. Uh, uh, do it again anytime. And, uh, yeah, just have a great, great evening, everybody. Thank you very much. Rick Hobbs, our guest in this portion, this segment of the show. We've got about, uh, I'm thinking about eight minutes left to the top of the hour, but um, this Ducati thing has really got me bothered because if you think about Ducati, um, they've been passed around and passed around, right? Is this the time that VW spins them off and says, hey, what we're going to do is uh, we're either going to sell it or we're going to go more di- go deeper uh, in on Ducati. In other words, go all in. And one of the op- one of the options here would be for Ducati to actually pick up a smaller motorcycle manufacturer and incorporate it within the brand. If that were the case, and Tony, I'd, I'd like your opinion on this. What brand would be a smaller motorcycle manufacturer that Ducati could absorb? And to 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 build the brand up. In other words, expand it like KTM has. Buell. Yeah, they're <laughs> off, they're off the table. I don't I don't see this, Scott. I understand where you're going. I don't see that at all being a solution for Ducati. The, I in, over the years they've they've tried everything under the sun from uh, private ownership, their own owning themselves right. for quite some time to always needing cash to move their ball forward. I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong, but uh, making them in any way. Well, it's not a losing with- venture for VW, according to Bloomsburg uh, and that report. Operating return on sales surged up 9.5% from 8.2% from year previous. So it's not like they're losing money on uh, it. It's, yeah, but the, the numbers are somewhat deceiving on Ducati. And again, I'm a huge fan of them. The, in order to achieve the level of innovation that they have, they are constantly introducing state-of-the-art, brand-new, fresh mold, as in we didn't reuse any parts, machines that takes cubic, cubic tons of dollars to make that happen on a, on a small scale. It's, you know, they, they don't do the, let's develop it until we get all, everything out of it. They do the, we're starting over even if we don't have to program. Well, we welcome you to the conversation. You're listening to Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, part of the Front Porch People, uh, and they're offering great programs. Look for them online at thefrontporchpeople.com. Back after this. Hi, this is Matt Smith, post-op motorcycle racer, and you're listening to Pit Pass Radio. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 